and we think that we can just want it our way and walk away from it and just have Jesus and not the church. That's not what Scripture teaches. God's Word is our absolute authority and truth. Take it and devour it and love it. And despite what we feel and despite what we experience, God instituted the church and God says that we're to love one another. Not to make Jesus into something that we want Him to be. Ephesians chapter 5, you're there, and we're going to get there in a minute. And the, the context of that, everybody, you're kind, of, you're kind of thinking, oh, no, here we go, Ephesians chapter 5, you know, and it's got the S word in there, right? I, once I did a sermon, and I was telling my base group about this, I did a sermon years and years ago, and I entitled the sermon the S word. And, and so when they come into church and that was the title on the screen, they was like, really? Really, Pastor? But, of course, the S word is submit, See, what, I don't know what y'all were thinking, but, but uh, submit. But we're not going to... I want to I show you this morning that uh, this, this, this Ephesians chapter 5 and chapter 6 is all about the church. And we're in our series this, this six weeks, and we're talking about I Love My Church. Hey, have y'all enjoyed this series so far? If you have, give the Lord a hand. That's been really good. It's been really, really, really wonderful. And if you missed any of those sermons, of course, please go online to imcbc.org and listen to any of those that you might miss. Okay, Danny and Julie? Take, take a look at one of those. I'm just kidding around. But anyways, uh, take, take a look and listen to those. And, of course, also your base group. We kind of reinforce in our, in our small groups what we're doing on Sunday mornings. I love my church. I am a church member. But we've looked at so far what it means to actually love our church. We looked at what it means to be functional and what it doesn't mean, what not being functional looks like. We looked at being selfless. We looked at being prayerful. We looked at being unifying. And this morning, we're coming to um, leading. And this morning, we're looking at how we lead, how we lead our family, how we lead our families at home, and how we lead each other here at Cornerstone. Listen to me. We are a family. And I'm going to prove it to you this morning. All of you, look next to you, look behind you, look in front of you, look at that person you can't stand right now. No, don't go look at them, Adam. <laughs> Everybody looks over at James back there. I don't know what was up with that, James. No, I'm just kidding around. I can pick on James. He's got strong shoulders. But, uh, but look, at all, look all around you. We're family. We're family. I'm going to prove it to you out of God's word that all of us here are family. I don't know about your family, but my family can be sometimes pretty dysfunctional. And, and sometimes we can get, get dysfunctional. And sometimes we have issues and problems and we're not always right and we're not always at our best. But guess what? We're family. And to love our church means that we love one another. It's not that we love a program. It's not that we love a building. It's not that we love a certain philosophy, that we love one another means that with agape love, a sacrificial love, that we love one another. Your needs become more important than my needs. Don't you like that, Tommy? You're, you're, I, put, you, I put you before me. I become functional. I become selfless. I become prayerful. We're family. All right. Now, let, let's get started. And uh, I will lead my family. I will lead my family. Now, understand, and, and, and we get used to things, and we get used to things, and, and we, we, we're born, we grow into a, to our own personal families, we go to school, and, and we, we learn some subjective truths. Listen to me close. 
we learn some subjective truths, and a subjective truth is something that may not necessarily be absolute, but it's something that we put into our noetic structure, which is our truth knowledge, and we, and we conceive everything else around us. So we grow up with certain philosophies. We grow up with hearing things and seeing things, and we develop, we develop a wrong interpretation of things. And I believe that so many people have grown, grown up with the negativity of church that automatically they set up fences and warnings and, and be, they, they don't want that to interfere with them. They, they, they're already building up a defense mechanism because they have some idea. But what I want us to see this morning is, is, that, is that church, listen to me, we're a family. And we're, we're, we're to love each other and we're to love one another and we're to show our love outside of these walls, all that. But look, the church has been under attack for quite some time. Everybody say amen. And, and uh, look, look at this. This was from a, several years ago. Look at this. Can someone come turn the AC down just a hair, please, or turn the fans on? I'm burning up. Somebody? Would you do that, uh, Gene? Air conditioning? Boy, he's paying attention, isn't he? <laughs> okay. Uh, is it up there? Yeah. So, so, so this is the cover of Newsweek, and they announced, forget church and just follow Jesus. We see that kind of philosophy all around us. Forget church. You don't need church. All I need is Jesus. All, that church is full. of. They're a bunch of hypocrites. They're not the real thing. I don't like church, but I'll take Jesus. Can I have an amen? Have you seen that before? I go to people's houses and I call on them and they, you know, and, and sometimes they get hurt and they, and they leave church or they never been to church, whatever it might be. But, but that mentality is this, is that forget church, I'll just follow Jesus. Now, this picture on the cover depicts an image that reoccurs in our society. This depiction and others like it have been dubbed for this one, Hipster Jesus, and it simply is an attempt to do something that people have been doing for the last 2,000 years, listen close, is that they want to remake Jesus into, they want to remake Jesus into what they want him to be instead of who he really is. And people want to make the church into something that they want it to be and not what it really is supposed to be. That makes sense? The basic argument against the church summed up in this one statement, I like Jesus, but not the church. Hey, let me just remind you this morning that Jesus Christ is the groomsman. We are the bride this church, he he born it. He he, gave, he he instituted the church. The church is his. Let me tell you this something this morning that you can't have Jesus without the church. Jesus made the church. Is the church flawed? In other words, when we say church, we're not saying this building, but we're talking about people. Are there going to be some problems? Are there is there going to be some flawness? 
Absolutely. But our but what we're going through this series is is that listen to me, despite all of that, despite all of that, listen, my responsibility as a born again believer is to love my church despite their flaws and despite what happens, despite whether they're wrong and I'm right, despite anything, we're to love one another. Amen? Despite everything, because the picture's gone, but because things like this, they've been doing it for 2,000 years, and it picks a negative connotation on people, and and we think that we can just want it our way and walk away from it and just have Jesus and not the church. But I'm here to tell you something this morning. That's not true. That's not what Scripture teaches. There's a lot of stuff out there today that's, that's not biblical, and by, it's just apostate, it's, 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 it's heresy, and it doesn't make it right. It may feel good, it may be what everybody's doing, but listen to me, God's Word is our absolute authority and truth. God word, God's Word is truth, and we're to take it and devour it and love it, and despite what we feel and despite what we experienced, it's God's Word. And God instituted the church, and God says that we're to love one another, we're to love each other. Not to make Jesus into something that we want him to be, but listen to me. I wrote this down. But instead, but instead, we're to come to church, flawed people, and let the word of God take us apart and put us back together according to God's word. Can I have an amen on that? Do you get it? And I tell that in marriage counseling all the time. And what we try to do in marriage counseling is, is, is when, a, when a couple's having issues and problems, what, what we try to do is we try to go through there and, and take their marriage apart. We try to take, take them apart and we put them back together according to the word of God. And so it is with us, and we come to church as a church family. We're supposed to, we're flawed people, but if we're listening and anticipating God to lead us and direct us, we come and we read God's word and we let it, and we, and we get taken apart and put back together. Can I have an amen on that? And that's, that's what God's word is designed to do. Now, let's get moving here. We should be in Ephesians chapter 5. But one of our biggest difficulties as families today Listen close. We're going to switch gears a little bit because we're talking about leading our families. One, one of the biggest difficulties as families today is helping our children and grandchildren see the importance, truth, relevance, and sanctity of the, of the local church. It is important that they see us love our church. It is important that they see us to be functional, unified, selfless, praying for our leaders, and leading. Look, we're not perfect. Can I have an amen? We're not perfect. We're not perfect. It is important that they see a group of people who are flawed but come together to love our church who don't give the impression of, I love Jesus, but not the church. But I'm afraid that sometimes we put this opposite out there. Christ intended, listen, Christ intended the, the church to be a place where flawed, flawed people um, learn to love God and to love others. Look, you, you might have a history of, of family and church. If you have a history of your family and church, raise your hand. I like that. I raised my hand, and, and I'm feeling kind of sad this morning because I got a couple of my kids that aren't here. Boy, I just feel empty, you know it? But uh, I have a history of family and church, and, and I know that a lot of you do too. You raised your hand. Uh, you might have family around you here at church today. 
For some, when your family gets together, church is a very big part of what you do. And, it, and I, think that's, I think that's good. What do you all think? I think that's wonderful. But for others, this is, a tough and t- this, is a, this is a tough and touchy subject. It's difficult to come to church and think of those who are not here. I've had conversations with some of you and that you've talked and you've spoken with your loved ones, with your children, with your spouse, but they're not here. And so I know this is tough and I know that's hard because we all want our families here, don't we? It's difficult when you think back on conversations you've tried to have with family members and they just don't accept what you're trying to, to tell them. You know, I remember for 10 years, I witnessed to my mom and I witnessed to my dad about Jesus Christ and going to church and they wouldn't have anything to do with it. And then my mom died. And not knowing whether or not she even accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, it's tough. I get it. I'm setting us up here. And, and it's difficult, you know, and then my dad got saved at my mom's funeral and, and, and right after the funeral. And that's it, but it's, it's tough, isn't it? Maybe you have family members that were once active in church, but something happened, whether it's something that happened at church that drove them away or, or it's something in life sometimes that drives them away. Whatever the case may be, maybe those people aren't in church anymore. We're talking about leading our family. It's important that, the, that if we're going to be functioning church and we love our church, one important task is, is that we lead our families, our personal families. We lead our church, of course, but we've got our families that we have to lead. Now, maybe this morning, maybe it's just going to be a reminder that even though things are not always the way we'd like them to be, that there are things that we can do to lead our families and to draw our, people, draw our family to Jesus Christ. Amen? The church is important to Jesus. Listen close. Write this down. The church is important to Jesus, and it should be important to us. We hold the church's reputation in our hands. All of you. All of us. We hold the reputation of Jesus, don't we? You know, my wife represents me, and, um, um, you know, and so she holds my reputation in a, in a way, and, and myself to her and my kids, you know. But all of us as, as, as separate families, um, we all hold this local church's reputation, but more importantly, we hold the reputation of Jesus Christ. And we all have that responsibility to love our church and, and that's what I'm trying to drive home, and that's maybe I'm like the Holy Spirit trying to push you right now, and I'm the preacher, and I got you in the corner, and I'm giving the old Muhammad Ali on the ropes there because I want you to get it, because I want us to get it that, that we're going to change this world. We're going to change this world for Jesus when we're a functioning church, when we're a selfless church, when we're a unified church, when we're a church that loves one another. And let me tell you what, it's important that we lead our family because, listen to me, because this is truth. This is truth. This is truth. This is truth. Generations are growing up with some obstinance against the local church. Who do you think they're getting it from? You. They see the bickering at church. They go home and hear mom and dad talk about it and being negative. That's, and that's what we're talking about this morning. We want to be a church that loves. We want to be a church that loves. And so we don't do that. Amen? 
Y'all heard my little joke. I said it last week at base, but I got to tell it again because it's my favorite joke to tell. Little family comes to church, and it's the, the service has already started. The music is going. They walk in. There's no place to sit, and they sit on right on the front pew. The music finishes. The preacher gets up, and he preaches, and invitation is given. The church is over. Or the, the invitation is given. Then they do the offering. Offering plate passes by. The little boy puts a nickel in the offering plate. After church, they all get in the car. They're driving home. Mom and dad's talking. Mom says, oh, the music was horrible. The drums were too loud, just off key. What was up with that, with that person singing? And dad says, you know, the preacher just didn't speak to me. He sure something was missing with that preacher today. And the little boy in the back seat chimes up, and he says, yeah, but you got to admit, it wasn't a bad show for a nickel. I've told it before, this is probably my third, but, but it's truth. It's truth. This ain't no show. If you come here expecting a show, you need to leave. This ain't no show. We're here to give God his worth this morning. And we're here to, this is, this is our Sunday morning huddle. And the game is, starts when we get out of here to go be the lighthouse of Jesus Christ, which is what we're going to talk about next week, our treasuring. That our treasures isn't here on earth. Our treasures are waiting for us in heaven. And it's what we do in the name of Jesus Christ. Sunday morning. I love Sunday mornings. It's a time for us to get together and get excited about Jesus. And yeah, we want to see people saved. And we want to see him, see him baptized. But, but man, it's, we need to come together and be the church and love each other and get out there and just light this world on fire. But that's where I was going. That, that if we're going to be the church, we've got to be functional. We've got to be unified. We've got to be selfless. But guys, it's not going to be done if we have dysfunctional families that aren't being led in the name of Jesus Christ. We've got to lead. All right? So here's a couple of verses of Scripture, and we're fixing to get into Ephesians chapter 5, but I want to read you Ephesians chapter 1. I've got it on the screen. But I want everybody to get on their phone, their tablet, their Bible to Ephesians chapter 5. Okay? Not one. I'm just going to read that one to you because I want us all looking at our Bibles in Ephesians chapter 5. But Ephesians chapter 1 says this. And, 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 a, first of all, I want you to know church is like a family. And I'm going to prove it to you. We're a family. We are a family. Even somebody at, at Grace Church or somebody at Victory Church or somebody at First Baptist Church, you know, there's, there's two types of churches. There's, there, there's that universal church, which we're never going to see on this earth, but we're going to have it in heaven. But still, those people that are go to different churches that are that are reborn in the name of Jesus, that's repented of their sins, and that and they're and they're, they're God, they are our brothers and sisters as well in Christ. Okay, they're they're not our competition. They're not our enemy. They are our brothers and sister in Christ. But church is like a family. We are a family. Ephesians chapter one. I'm going to prove it to you. Look at verse four. It says, I'm, "This is New Living Translation." It says, even before he made the world, who's he? God. Even before God made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Thank you, Lord. I can't do that on my own, so therefore I can't get to heaven. But because of the blood of Jesus Christ, he sees no fault in Ron Fox. Boy, I'm glad about that. Look at verse 5. God decided in advance 
here it is. I'm going to prove it to you that we're a family, that church is like a family. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own, what? Family. By bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That is what he wanted to do. And listen, and that gave our father great pleasure. Amen. It gave Christ great pleasure. Now, Paul uses the picture of the church as a family several times in his many epistles. And he refers to the family of God and the household of God. So therefore, it seems reasonable to imagine and to understand the role of the church as it applies to us as a family. Now, Paul even uses an extended passage in Ephesians chapter 5 and 6 to illustrate this to, to us as the, as the church and as the family. Ephesians chapter 5, look at verse 21. Now, remember, this epistle was a letter. Everybody pay attention. I'm not trying to be bossy or ugly, but I, I, want, I, I want you to realize something, that this epistle was a letter. It had no chapters and it had no verses when it was penned. That was put in much, much, much later so that we could have, so we could make reference. Okay? So, so this was a letter. There was no breaks in chapters. There was no breaks in verses. We put breaks in there. But this was all one comprehensive letter. And, and, and Ephesians, um, <laughs> it's a beautiful book, and we need to go through it one time, just go through it verse by verse. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's about church, it's about family. And here we see in chapter 5 and 6, it's about church and family, because church and family are one. You get it? All right. Ephesians chapter 5, look at verse 21. And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. He's talking to the church. And he says, you wives, be subject to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is also the head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands. Remember, God never has to tell the women this, but he has to tell the men this. He says, husbands, love your wives. Husband, love your wives. He's got to tell us dummies. Hey, he don't tell the women that, but he tells us that you've got to love your wives. Your wives need security, men. Look at me, men. Your wives need to know that you love them. You need to love your wife. You need to tell them that you love them. You need to show them that you love them. You need to give them security. You need to be the leader of your home. And the first thing you do by being a leader in your home is you love your wife wives. Okay, we'll talk about it here in a second. Look at um, verse 26. Well, let's finish up verse 25. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, so about Christ in us, this is what he wants to do with us, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory. Now, what do you think that's talking about in all her glory as a church? Think about that for a minute. That's us. He wants to present us to God in all of our glory. And so if Cornerstone isn't functioning, if it's not selfless, if it's not unified, if it's not leading, are we in our glory? 
So husbands ought also to love their own wives. See, he compares the church, Christ dying for it, and then with, with, with husbands and wives. And so husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. See the comparison? Look at verse 30. Because we are members of his holy body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother. This is out of Genesis chapter 2, verse 12, I think it is. For this reason, talking about marriage, a man shall leave his, their mother and their father, and they shall be joined um, to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That's marriage. It's the, and then verse 32, and here it is. This mystery is great. Stop. Close your Bibles. Look at me. Now, that word mystery, that word mystery, I think I know what mystery means. What do you, you think you know what mystery means? Mystery is, is the, the mystery is, is, is not knowing something for sure, right? Is, is something that's not, that hasn't been revealed, something that's not known. Is, isn't that what mystery means? Well, this Greek word is the Greek word um, mysterion. Can you imagine that? Anybody ever watch King and Queens? Anybody? Doug on King and Queens? He always puts that I-O-N on the end of the word, you know, mysterion. Y'all got to get a life and watch some TV, all right? All right? But it's the Greek word mysterion. And, 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 and here in the Greek, here is, here, is the here is the significance of this word mysterion. And we're going to finish reading here in just a minute. But the word mysterion here um, has the idea. Let me find my note here. I don't want to get it wrong for you. Yeah, but the word mystery in here um, is talking about um, a hidden purpose or or counsel, a hidden purpose or counsel. And what it's talking about here, this word mystery, this word mystery here, this is something while hid from the unrighteous. Listen, while hid from the unrighteous is not hid from the righteous. You get it? So look at verse 32 again. He said, this mystery is great. So in other words, this, this spiritual truth, while it's hid from the unrighteous, isn't hid from the righteous. Who is the righteous? It's you. It's the church. And he, so that's the significance. It's not saying that you can't know these truths about the church and about marriage. It's saying that that word mystery is talking about it's hid from the unrighteous, but it's not hid from the righteous because we have the truth. We have the word of God. Amen. And we believe the word of God. And so he says, the mystery is what? Great. What's great? This truth about the church loving one another, this truth about what marriage is, this truth about Jesus Christ is going to take the church and, and, and all of her glory and present it to God. This mystery, this mystery, this truth that has been revealed to Christians, this is all great, he says. Do you get it now? So these verses before and these verses after, he's saying this is great. This truth is great. This spiritual truth is great. This church is great. The church that Christ gave him for is great. And he's saying this mystery, this revealed truth to you Christians is great. 
And he says, but I am speaking with reference to Christ in his church. He's speaking in reference to Christ in his church. Us. We got it? Now, let's talk about a couple of things and some of these great truths here. Um, Let's talk about that. Now, the word translated as submit, we saw that in verse 21. And here means to be put under or placed under. We talked about it last week in Hebrews 13, 17. But when we look at this idea of submission, take note of where it all starts and where it's supposed to remain. Look at it. He says, submit one another out of reverence for Christ. So we, for reverence of Christ is why we do what we do. It's not because, listen to me, this submitting to each other, it's not because that person deserves it. Amen? It's, it's not because that person is better than you or more powerful than you. It's not because that person has it all together and you don't. So just like in Hebrews 13, 17, the Bible says that, you know, you submit to the authority in your church, to, your, to the pastor, the leadership. It's not because I deserve it. It's not because I'm smarter than you. And we're to submit one to another, it says in verse 21. And we don't do that because that person is more powerful than you. It doesn't mean it because that person is more important than you. That's not why we submit. It's not because of any of those things. But what we're told here is this. Because you care about Jesus, because you care about God, (laughs) submit. Submit. Put your desires under the desires of others. Have you ever thought about church in the sense of a healthy marriage and what that's supposed to look like? Listen, we're just about done here, believe it or not. Marriage is always give and take, isn't it? Tommy and I have a good marriage, and she's the luckiest woman in the world. I'm here to tell you right now. I'm a lucky man. That's the real, the real truth. But have you ever supposed to think about, what, about a healthy marriage? And, and look, marriage is give and take, which means that one spouse doesn't get their way all the time. Tommy doesn't get her way all the time. I don't get my way all the time. Each person within the marriage, to make a marriage healthy, and this is the word submit, each person within the marriage is trying to make sure that the other person is as happy as they can be. You, 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 take, a, you take a marriage, and you take, you take a marriage, Tommy, and I, I try to make you as happy as you can be and you make me as happy as I can be, we're going to be pretty doggone healthy in the name of Jesus Christ. Of course, picking Jesus as a priority, right? But you, but, you take, but, you take a, but you take a husband and wife, and they never try to make each other happy, you've got a dysfunctional marriage on your hands. You, you take a marriage, you, in an unhealthy marriage, you take a marriage and where one person is the only one who tries to make the other one happy, Soft balance. It's going to be unhealthy. But you take a marriage where the husband and the wife does everything they can and they submit to one another and they try to make that person happy as much as they can, 
You're going to have a, you're going to have a lot healthier marriage. Amen, everybody. And here's what, here's the correlation. Here it is right here. So we at Cornerstone Baptist Church, what the Lord is saying to us is, is that submit one to another. In other words, put the other person's desires above yours. You know, don't, you know, spend, spend your time of giving and, 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 and making other people content and happy. It's got to be within the guidelines of Jesus Christ and the Word of God, yes. But we look at other people's needs and will, and that helps make for a healthy church. Amen, everybody? So here's the app. So that's the application from these verses and these beautiful verses. Now, let me switch gears to Colossians chapter 12. Now, the word translated as love here in Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll see it here in more in just a minute. This word translated as love here is the same word that occurs over and over again in, in, in our study of what healthy church members looks like. But it's, again, it's that, it's that word agape. It's that word love, agape. It's a selfless, sacrificial kind of love. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This is us. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Everybody look at me. When someone offends you, you don't always have to make it a third degree thing. Sometimes, a lot of times, we just forgive them and go on with it. Can I have an amen? You don't always have to be told you're sorry. Sometimes you just need to forgive that person and that means you make the sacrifice of the hurts that it caused you. I'm sacrificing what it, what it called, what it, how it hurt me. I forgive you. There's got to be that sacrifice, remember? Look at verse 14. And over all these virtues, look at it, put on love. Why? Because love binds them all together in perfect unity. You know what's going to hold this church together when Satan comes knocking at our door? It's loving one another. That's what's going to hold this church together. And you better believe me that, that I'm telling you something. Um, you know, we're, we're fixing to see a lot of, lot of great things happen. Things great things are happening at Cornerstone now. Six families have joined the last two weeks. Can you give the Lord a hand? That's wonderful and that's great. We had, we had, we had a couple of teenagers saved a couple of weeks ago. And we had another one saved. We had, a, we had another person saved Wednesday night here in my office at church. Listen to me. God is doing some wonderful things. And you better believe that we, we, we get this unity going and we get functioning going and selfless going and prayerful going and leading going and we're leading our families. You better believe in that Satan's going to be knocking. And if we're not unified in, in, by loving one another, we're going to get our teeth knocked in. We've got to love one another. That's how we're unified. Amen. So Colossians chapter 3, and then it, and it ends this in verse 15. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Not the peace of the world, not your peace. But he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Be thankful. Now, real quick, here are some important ways that we can submit to one another and love one another. Write this down. Number one, treat one another respectfully. Number two, watch out for one another. Watch out for each other. Number three, forgive one another. And number four, be thankful. 
I mean, write those down. This is, this is, this is important for all of us as, ch- as a church family. We're to all uh, treat one another with respect. We're all to watch out for one another. We're all to forgive each other and be thankful. But most of all, love one another. Love one another. All right? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says this. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Verse 25, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. And so we add these important ways to submit to each other. And number one is meet together with one another. Hey, Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, don't forsake the assembly of yourselves. It's important that we come together. Everybody say amen. It's important that you bring your kids. It's important as a family that you come. Number two, encourage one another. Number three, support one another. Now, and we'll close with this. Um, Rainer in chapter five, he suggests um, some points of how you can lead your church family and to be healthy church members, how we can lead our families to be a healthy church member. And he's got two of them, and you'll look at, you'll see them tonight in your or this week in your base class, but I've also added a couple. So here we go. Number one, praying together. Praying together. You and your family should join together to pray for the church, its leaders, and its members. Listen to me. There's nothing better than a family praying together. Pray with your family. If you're going to talk about the church, listen to me, do it in a positive way, not a negative way. If you don't have anything nice to say, zip it. Lead your family right. Number two, worship together. Look, as a church member, I'm responsible for encouraging and leading my family to worship together in church. If I'm married, I seek to include my spouse. If I'm a parent, I seek to include my children. My family must see my love for the church. That's how you lead. Number three, and this is, this is um, added to, to Rainer's stuff here. Number three, prepare together to have realistic expectations. Hey, church, prepare together as a family to have realistic expectation. That means that there are church members <laughs> who's going to frustrate you. And that means there's going to be, there's going to be times to where you're, you'll be dissatisfied. Unless your family is a whole lot different than mine, there is a family member out there who probably frustrates you. Listen, church is family. There are ups and there are downs. No family member is perfect. Listen, no church member is perfect. No church leader is perfect. And listen to me, you're not perfect. So we have realistic expectations. Amen? You know, practice Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 and 5. Don't get all worried about somebody's little little dust in their eye when you got a big old log in yours. No one's perfect. Jesus loves the church. Number four, and this is it. Joining together. I already said that one. No, I didn't. Joining together in services. And listen, involve your kids and grandkids in the ministry. 
Amen? Involve them. It teaches them the important lessons about selflessness, about functionality, and about the love for the church. Encourage them to lead and to serve. Now, Jesus loves the church, and and she is his bride. So remember these important things as a church member. And this is it. I am not merely, I don't merely just like my church. I'm not to merely serve my church, but here it is. I'm to fall in love with my church, and I'm to serve my church. We're not just, we're not just to like our church. We are commanded to love our church. Amen? Amen. Father, we love you this morning, and we thank you for our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, um, I pray now for our congregation, Lord, here at Cornerstone, that you'll just remind us the importance of leading our family, and that, our, that, that certainly the church has always been under attack by Satan, and that there's always this, this residue, and there's always this philosophy that, that we can have Jesus, but we, but, we, but we don't have to have the church. And Lord, that's just a lie from the pit of hell. That the church is your plan, is your is your is your viable source in which the gospel is is proclaimed with, and that that the church, the called out group of people, Lord, is 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 your lighthouse. And so, Lord, it's important that just like in our marriages, we see that that as much work we put into our marriages, that we put that same kind of work of unity and functionality into our church family. So, Lord, we thank you for, 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 for saving us this morning. We thank you for calling us together here at this local church. And, Lord, we pray that we'll, that we'll be unified and bonded in love. We give you praise for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, stand with me this morning, and we're going to sing an invitation. And we invite you to come, and whatever it may be this morning, um, Maybe it's maybe maybe you need to get be unified in love with the church. Maybe sometimes we, we get blinded by our own desires and wants and needs and we forgot to put others before us. So this invitation is for you and maybe you're here this morning and your family isn't sitting with you and it breaks your heart. Well I want you to know it breaks my heart for you. And maybe you need to come this morning and just and pray about that and give it to Jesus. And I want you to know that don't give up, don't give up on your family members. You know, always be that positive role model that that shows the positive th- things of church. And keep inviting them, keep encouraging them, be that lighthouse to them. Because maybe your family member will be like my dad they got saved and now he's serving in a local church and he's he's just doing amazing but whatever it is this morning we invite you to come if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior and you're not part of that family of God you haven't been adopted into that family of God maybe this morning is the time for you to to stop running from that call of the Holy Spirit to salvation and accept him as your personal savior. Because our Bible says that for God's will is for all men to be saved. 
that, that his will is that none should perish, but all have everlasting life. But you know, as he calls you, you got to run to him and submit that to him. If you've never done that, we invite you this morning. If you need a church family this morning, to place to a place to take your take your talents and your ministry and place it at the local church, and to say, here I am to serve and to be part of this local church, to use your talents and your gifts that God has given you. We ask you to join us this morning. And um, show us and tell us that you're saved and baptized and ready to, to, to yoke and to go forward in the name of Jesus Christ. We, we encourage you to come this morning. Whatever it is, you come as God leads, please.
nothing can stand again. 